Does it ever feel like the clutter is multiplying at night while you were asleep? <laughs> I know for me, sometimes it has. Sometimes it simply made me want to go take a nap because I feel like, well, the battle might already be lost. But fear not. I have a fantastic guest today, a new friend of mine, Emily McDermott, and she is going to teach how simple it can be to declutter. One of the Charlotte Mason philosophies is the importance of an organized and peaceful learning environment for children. And so decluttering our home really can create a harmonious space, somewhere that nurtures the growth and the development of our family. And Emily is going to share with us today how actually there is a faith-based reason to declutter, and she's going to share scientific reasons as well that we should do so for our own well-being. You're going to love this one. Hey mamas, welcome to Her Home and Heart Podcast. Do you want balance in your home life and peace in your heart at the end of each long day? Do you want to let go of feelings of failure because you've yelled at the kids again despite promising yourself and God you'd stop? I'm Katie. I'm a homeschooling mom who also had little kids and wanted to create a thriving home environment. In this podcast, you'll find resources for holistic living, heart connection with your family, and homeschooling so that you won't wake up to regret one day. Even if you have outside-the-box learners or your own health challenges, you'll find support here. Breathe deeply, grab a coffee, and let the kids go play, because it's time for you to find peace and fulfillment that you've been longing for. Let's go! Have you been feeling overwhelmed and unsure about how to navigate this parenting and homeschooling journey? I hear you, and I'm here to help. I'm so excited I put together for you a cheat sheet. It's going to unveil my secrets to finding balance and harmony inside of a unique home ecosystem. You're going to be able to say goodbye to chaos and confusion and embrace much more peace and a fulfilling experience for a whole family. And as a special bonus, I've added to this cheat sheet my top five secrets for you to love your homeschool, to help you create a nurturing environment where your all of your children, including your special needs child and you, can thrive. I've added practical strategies and some heartfelt insights, and I know they're going to make a world of difference for you in your daily life. I understand the challenges that you face. I live it every day, even today. And so this resource is designed specifically for parents just like you and me. I want you to be able to take a deep breath, gather your strength, and find renewed inspiration on this very unpredictable journey. I don't want exhaustion to hold you back from finding the support and the guidance that you need. So go to herhomeandheart.net slash free. The link is in the description and you will find that you can get your free copy there today. You will also find that I have many other resources for you in the description. And I hope that this podcast today helps you as well. I would love to give you a big hug and just let you know you are not alone on this path. Together, we can empower each other and create families where we have a nurturing environment, a joyful homeschooling experience, even if we have a special needs child. I am very, very glad that you allow me into your daily life to embrace and guide and support you. It's time to find clarity and renewed energy on your unique parenting and homeschooling journey. Go to herhomeandheart.net slash free. Today, I'm so excited to have Emily McDermott with us. Emily and I met in an amazing podcasting mastermind, and she is absolutely precious and brilliant. So Emily is a wife. She's a mom of two energetic boys, and she loves simplicity. 
She has a top one and a half percent globally ranked podcast called Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. I highly recommend it. And she helps moms to declutter their homes, their heads, their hearts. And on top of it all, Emily loves writing poetry. She loves dancing and loves eating peanut butter out of the jar. So Emily, thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, Katie, thanks so much for having me. I can't wait to talk. Yeah. So I would love for you to talk about how did you get into decluttering and helping busy, overwhelmed moms be able to just gain that peace in their home? Yes, it was not a a linear path. (laughs) by any means, but uh, it actually was uh, due to my husband and I struggling with infertility of all things. So we had unexplained infertility and decided to go the path of in vitro fertilization. And during that time, I was working full time. I was the chronic people pleaser, perfectionist saying yes to everything and just surrounded by stuff that frankly, I didn't need saying yes to all the obligations. And I was just completely overwhelmed. And I realized that I really felt like God had placed in my heart to become a mom and that we were going through this kind of rigorous regimen as far as like blood work and injections and all of these things. And I realized that if I didn't make that physical and emotional space to be able to welcome a baby, that Um, I was just going to be, you know, completely overwhelmed, or maybe we wouldn't even be successful with uh, what we were doing. So that was when I learned about minimalism and simplicity and decluttering and all of these things. And I thought, wow, this makes a lot of sense and started like most people do with the physical stuff around me, then eventually moving into more kind of the calendar and obligations. And We had our first son, uh, Andrew, via IVF. That was almost seven years ago. And then God said, you're doing such a great job, Emily. We're going to give you a baby you weren't expecting. (laughs) So then we ended up, uh, without any medical intervention, having our son, Sean, and then having two under two was not something that I was expecting. And then it was more an issue of decision fatigue, just like why do these people keep asking me what to eat and what to do? I just want to rest. And I then was able to draw on that foundation of simplicity and decluttering to really simplify my life so that I was able to handle that a little bit better with two under two. And ever since then, I've been blogging about it, started my podcast pretty recently. And now I'm doing decluttering coaching where I go into the homes of moms and actually help them get through that physical clutter that's holding them back from the life that they want to live. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Mm, That's amazing. And boy, I understand that decision fatigue. Wow. Completely. That's amazing that God brought you on this journey and path. So I know you and I had been talking about the fact that there's even science behind the declutter or well behind clutter itself Mm -hmm. and why decluttering is beneficial. Would you share about that? Yeah, definitely. So there are several things that you need to know about clutter with the first is that it's not neutral. So you think, oh, it's just extra stuff. It's not doing any harm. Well, it actually is harming us. It's harming our children. And it's something that we really have to take seriously. So one of the things that clutter is stealing from us is our time. And what takes up your space takes up your time because you have to manage it. You have to clean it. You have to move it out of the way to clean. which is usually that stuff shuffle that people talk about. 
And one of these statistics is kind of from a funny place. It's uh, the National Soap and Detergent Association. And it's like, what? What is that? I don't even care because they found that in an uncluttered home, it it would eliminate 40% of housework. And I love that statistic because I know that's a pretty high number, but also I really believe it because you just have less to clean and less to do when you're not surrounded by all of that clutter. So uh, if you're not a big fan of cleaning like me, <laughs> but just remember that less clutter means less to clean. And that means that you have more time for what actually matters. So we're always looking as, at busy moms for reclaiming that time. So decluttering, it can help you do that. So yes, number one is time. Would you like me to go on to number two? Yes, please. Okay. So that is our piece. And you know, one thing I didn't mention is after my second, I did struggle with postpartum anxiety. So clutter actually does impact our stress and anxiety levels. There's a pretty famous study, at least in my world, famous study in 2010, where couples were giving tours of their home. And if they were describing their home as cluttered, unfinished, disorganized, the women had their cortisol levels, their stress hormone levels actually rise when they did saliva samples. And those same women, they uh, noticed that they had greater fatigue in the evening. They had a harder time transitioning from um, work to home. And interestingly enough, the husbands did not experience the same rise in cortisol levels, which is kind of interesting. Um, and one theory- I know, right? One theory is that primarily, at least in the United States, where the study was done, women are primarily responsible for home management. And so when our home is cluttered, it stresses us out. Maybe if you're like me, I see things that my husband somehow doesn't see, (laughs) doesn't bother him. So yeah, there is a direct correlation between clutter and stress and anxiety. And so if we're already, you know, stressed out by the things that we can't control in our lives, then this is something that we, that we can control. And just similarly to that, our brain sees clutter as undone tasks. So when I'm looking around the room, I can say, well, I need to fold that. I need to put that away. I need to sign that paper. I need to put that on my calendar. And so it is visual stimulus overwhelm for us, as well as our kids. So depending on the age of your kids, mine are five and almost seven, they do the dump and go where they just sort of like take the toys, they dump it, move on to the next thing, dump it. You don't need to get more toys because your kids are bored. They are overwhelmed by what is in their physical space. So we have to think about that anxiety and that overwhelm and that stress is caused by too much in our visual field. And also for children, they're so tactile that if they're constantly bumping into things and stepping on things, and it's just too much um, sensory input them. And I know you as a mom um, with kids with special needs, that's really important that you're paying attention to the sensory input that is in your home. So yeah, number two, stress and anxiety is a biggie. That's amazing. I did not know those things. That is so cool. And it aligns so directly with all the things we've learned neurodevelopmentally. That is brilliant. Okay. The The next one is our physical health. So we know we have obviously stress and anxiety impacts our physical health, but one uh, study in 2015, specifically about sleep, that if you have a cluttered bedroom, you have lower sleep quality and more sleep disturbances, 
than someone that has an uncluttered bedroom. And I like to think about that from our kids' perspective too. My kids just, this is our choice based upon the way our home is set up. They do not have toys in their room. And so they have their bed, they have their dresser, they have some books and that's it. And that's by design because I want them to know that their room is a place for rest and for sleep and for restoration. And frankly, they need all the sleep they can get. And I need all the sleep I can get. So Sleep, of course, I'm a huge sleep zealot, so that's huge. And the other physical health aspect I want to mention is eating and what we're eating. So a study in 2016 found that people in messy or untidy kitchens, if they were given the option between crackers, cookies, and carrots, they would pick the cookies because they're in a stressful, untidy environment. So you're more likely, these were women in the study, to go for the comfort food because if you're anything like me, I'm like a carb and sugar fiend. (laughs) That's what I'm going to go towards. So that, of course, um, sleep and what we eat impacts our our physical health. And then just not necessarily that there's one study I'm going to point to for this, but physical movement. If you are in a cluttered space and your kids are in a cluttered space, they're not able to move freely throughout that space. And so that is limiting their mobility and really that just their ability to kind of use their bodies the way that they're intended. So yes, all of those impact our physical health. That is so fascinating. And um, the people, you know, my, my wonderful friends who are listening know that I'm absolutely a health nut. I love it. (laughs) So this is right up my alley. This is so interesting. So let's take this to a biblical perspective, because at one point you and I were talking and you were saying that there's even stuff in the Bible that talks about this. And so I could, I would love to explore that with you also. Yes, for sure. So I did want to just say for the one more thing for the four things, because I don't know what is the four thing. Oh, I don't know. Um, That's okay. That's okay. And then this is just so much of our energy and that I just always talk about like decision fatigue, like we had mentioned earlier that supposedly uh, just from the scientific standpoint, supposedly we make 35,000 decisions a day. And then I think that it's probably more when we're moms and our parents, because we're having to make decisions on behalf of our children. So decision fatigue is the deteriorating quality of decisions over the given day or over a time period. And so if you have too much stuff, you're making too many choices and too many decisions between those things. So by the time you get to the end of the day, your energy is completely depleted. So there is a direct correlation between our stuff and our energy levels. And of course, as busy moms, we need all the energy we can get too. So yeah, that was the first thing there. I didn't want to forget it, but. Oh, I'm glad okay. you brought that up because that actually directly correlates to even how much we enjoy bedtime with our kids. If oh my so gosh. Yes. Tired. Yeah. <laughs> but I would, would not apply that to clutter, but it makes total sense. Yeah. Or if you're like me, you're praying like, please go to sleep, please go to sleep, please go to sleep with our kids. <laughs> It's like, well, if you're feeling that way, it might be because you're completely depleted and drained right at the end of the day. Okay, so let's move on to the Bible. There are two kind of verses that I would like to mention. I recently, for the first time in my life, I'm 42, went through the whole Bible chronologically, and I'm on day like 390 of my reading streak. So I'm very proud of myself for that, talking about habits, right? And I've been looking at it more from this perspective of what does God have to say about simplicity or what we have. And I think there's so much about this concept of abundance and that God provides so abundantly. He is our 
provider. And that is kind of the frame I want to set for this. Um, there's two verses I want to mention. The first being John 10, 10, uh, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And when people talk about abundance, sometimes they kind of laugh. They're like, uh, have you seen my house? I have plenty of abundance here. <laughs> That's why I need your help because I have too much abundance. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's not, you know, what we're talking about. What we're talking about is this abundant versus scarcity mentality. And the scarcity mentality is I'm going to hold on to this just in case. And my self-worth is determined by what I have, what I do, my status, what people say about me, and not that you're rooted in that identity of, you know, being a child of God. And so when you have this abundance mentality of God is providing everything that I need and more, then if you have excess, you're able to be not only grateful for what you have, but then also generous with the excess so that you're able to bless others rather than kind of holding on tightly. Because I always say you can't be open-handed, surrender to what God has for you in your life if you're clinging to your stuff. So John 10, 10 is really more of that um, abundance mentality. And then the second verse, if you want me to go into it, is more what I like to call this manna mindset. Anything I should know before I keep going yeah, or am I okay to go? Going. Okay. So <laughs> I have a tendency to get excited and I just keep talking. So I want to make sure I'm not doing that. But um, so in Exodus, you have uh, Moses and of course the Israelites, right? In the wilderness and there's this manna that is coming and Moses is trying to kind of explain what it is, what they're supposed to do with it, what they're not supposed to do with it. And if you go to Exodus 16, and we're going to go to verse 19. And so Moses is telling them what to do. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it being the manna over till the morning. And then in verse 20, but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. And then I just love that because when we think about manna, that is what God is providing to us, which is enough for what we need, right? And in this case, if the Israelites were trying to essentially keep or hoard the manna saying, okay, well, this is obviously not enough. We need more. We need more. Then the excess is breeding worms and stinking. And then, you know, also some of it melted away. And there's just this concept of clutter is not neutral, like it is negatively impacting us. And if we don't see God as provider and just keep amassing or hoarding or whatever you want to call it, then it is having that negative impact. And we were never meant to be collecting and amassing more than we need. So we need to have that Mana mindset of God being our provider. So those are kind of the two verses, um, the two sections of scripture I like to draw on. I love that. That's amazing. So then the mom who's saying, okay, well, I've got lots of clutter. I'm super stressed out. I can absolutely see how it's affecting my life, but I don't know where to start. Like, what do I keep? What do I let go of? I feel like I need all of it because, you know, I don't know what to get rid of. So what do you say? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. She so there's a couple of practical things and also some of the mindset shifts. So I'm going to start with just actually a couple of practical things first, which is that we do not want to start in the most sentimental area of our home. You don't want to start with your grandmother's China. You don't want to start with the onesie that you brought your child home from the hospital in when they were born. Don't do that to yourself, please. 
because it, it, it requires a lot of emotional energy to start letting go of things. You need to recognize that. So we want to start in our vehicle where there's lots of trash. There's lots of things we don't need. It's a small contained space. And then we can really feel that win when we declutter our car for 15 you know, minutes, 30 minutes. And similarly, like the bathroom, you know, we have expired medication, we have makeup, we have no idea when we bought the makeup, probably 10 years ago. (laughs) And so, you know, that is definitely not serving us. And we can make that decision pretty easily. Like, oh, yeah, I don't need that. Can go into our kitchen and there's leftovers from who knows when. Okay, I can let go of that. And you think, well, yeah, that does that even count? Well, yes, it does count because we're trying to gain our confidence build those decision-making muscles so that when we get to some of these harder areas, we're able to let go a little easier. So I would say always start with the most unsentimental, unemotional places, and then move on from there. So that would be sort of my tip, practical tip number one for where to start. And then when you're ready, I can move into the mindset shifts. So, yeah, I want to say that the one thing I love to do when I'm feeling about the house is to organize the pantry. Because it does exactly what you said. Then I get that like, okay, if I can organize the pantry, then it's no problem to go do a little in all these other rooms. So it's so true, but I hadn't thought about starting with a car. What a great idea. It's always (laughs) amazing when the car is clean. Yes. Or like your purse or your diaper bag. Like we want to look at these small contained areas that we use regularly because then we really notice that difference and it makes us feel so much better. You get that dopamine hit and then you want to keep going. So, so now some of the mindset shifts, mindset shifts, they're so important though. I would say that one of the most important things is that we are decluttering based upon what matters most to us. So I'm never going to tell you, you can only have five coffee mugs or one or whatever. I'm never going to tell you, you know, you have this collection of something. Well, that's wrong. You have to get rid of it. It all is dependent on what matters most to you and what is serving you. But what's important to recognize is it's what matters to us now in this season, not what we wish things could be like or what they used to be in the past. And that's called aspirational clutter. So I think that this probably can speak to your homeschooling mamas quite a bit because you have all of these materials. Maybe I'm looking at you, Katie, and what you have done with your kids. And I'm like, oh yeah, that totally seems like that would work. And you get it and you realize, oh my gosh, this is not working. But you think, but maybe um, when we have some more time, we can do this. Or maybe I could totally do this project if I just had, you know, fill in the blank. And so we make ourselves feel bad about who we are as women, as mothers, as teachers, because we're thinking, well, there must be something wrong with me. And someday I will get to this. Someday I will do this. And then you end up being surrounded by all the aspirational stuff of a future that is not realistic, or you're holding on to things from your past that don't represent the person that you are now. Maybe it was two kids ago and you just don't have that same amount of energy that you had, or it was in my case, like 15 pounds ago and you don't fit into those clothes anymore, you know, for that example. So I would say the being realistic about where you are in the season, accepting that, and then letting go of some of that aspirational clutter is huge, especially when it comes to um, homeschool stuff. So that Mm. would be my first mindset shift. That's super smart. So I don't know if you're going to touch on this yet, but I want to ask, what do you do when the mom says, 
when she says, but I've paid for it. Mm. So I feel guilty getting rid of it. Cause I hear that one a lot. And I know I've struggled yes. with that one myself. Yeah. I would say that, you know, when you pay for it, you've paid for it that time, the decision was made. Maybe it wasn't the smartest decision. Maybe you're having buyer's remorse, but you don't have to keep paying for it with your time, your energy, with all of these other things and having that buyer's remorse. Every single time that you look at it, you're like, oh, I should be using that. I paid so much. I should be using that. I paid so much. It is hard because none of us like to admit that we made quote unquote, an unwise decision or that we're wasting money, but recognize the money is spent and now the thing has to go somewhere. So the thing can stay at your home and not be used. The thing can stay at your home and magically be used somehow. But again, that's aspirational. Or the thing can be blessing someone else right now that could actually be benefiting directly from that. And again, we're going back to that man of mindset, like the stuff that you paid so much for that you don't use that is breeding worms and stinking. So get it out of your house because you've already paid for it once. You don't have to keep paying for it. That's what I would say. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. The mana idea is fabulous. Okay. What's your next mindset? Yes. Okay. So the next one is using something called the container concept. I did not come up with this. There's someone very popular in the decluttering world called Dana K. White. And she, I believe, came up with this. But the concept is that a lot of times we're in homes that are far larger than what we actually need can fit in. So we have to create arbitrary boundaries. So a good example of this would be a bookshelf. So you say, okay, this is the bookshelf that I have for workbooks. And I am going to start by putting on the workbooks that we use, that we love, that are being yeah, used, right? That's the first thing. Then you look how much space is left. Okay, if there's some more space, you can put some maybes there. Yeah, sometimes we use them, sometimes we don't. Once that arbitrary boundary of that shelf is full, then that is the boundary. And you donate the rest or whatever you want to do with the rest. But that is what decision you've been made. And I feel like this works really well for, for us as adults, but also for kids. So I use this a ton with my boys when it comes to toys or artwork. They have cork boards in their room and they can display a certain amount of art. And when that cork board is filled, they have to make decisions about what stays and what goes. Concept is we do not have this, nor should we have this unlimited amount of space to just put everything we need to come up with those arbitrary boundaries to make the decisions so that we can keep things contained. The answer is not getting more bins. <laughs> the answer is seeing what natural boundaries you have within your home already and then designating certain amount of space for these different categories of things, starting with what you use and love, then the maybes and anything else that doesn't fit that we're getting rid of it or putting in a out of sight, out of mind area, putting a reminder on your phone for 60 days, seeing if you miss it. If you don't, then you get rid of it. Cause like I told you, I'm not going to tell you to get rid of anything. <laughs> right. No, it's brilliant. Something that's helped me over the years, because with being military and moving, we had to lighten our load a lot. And I, I found that when I knew that an item was not something to donate, it was like brand new. We hadn't used it. I mean, yes, you can donate it. But for me, I felt even more motivated when I'd find a consignment shop 
because then I could reinvest it. And that helped for me to break the concern, like, oh, well, I paid for this and I'm not using it. If I could find a consignment or post it up on, you know, marketplace or whatever, that helped me with some of those more difficult items. And then just the idea of blessing people. And I love this confined space idea. I'm going to absolutely use that with my kids. I, I was thinking that while you were saying it, like what a brilliant way to teach kids. Because they just, I mean, they have to understand there's not that unlimited space for like everything that they would want. And they're going to, as we are launching them into the world, they're going to have to make choices and make decisions between things. So it's a great thing to teach. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. All right. So are those the main mindset shifts that you would say a mom should start with when she's getting started or are there more? I think that that's it. The only other thing that I've mentioned already is this idea of capacity, which is really, again, and that's another sort of artificial boundary in that we have all this space around us. We have all this space in our calendar, but the decisions we're making about what stays really should be based upon our capacity in this season and not based upon, well, I have so many hours of the day so I can fill those hours. I have so much space in my home so I can fill that. What can you handle what can your kids handle? That's where we should be making those decisions. So that would be the only other kind of fundamental thing I would mention. Gosh, I just, this is such an amazing episode. Oh, well, yay. I'm having fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. The things you have shared, like the idea of capacity. I know for me during um, the neurodevelopmental program, that was some probably the first time that ever came to light in my mind. Like I really did have to reprioritize. And I love how you state this because it makes it such a simple concept to understand and to tie it to decision fatigue is huge. Like how many decisions a day can you really handle? I know for me, the busier I get, the more I'm juggling, the less decisions I can honestly handle. I get exhausted by them. I don't want to think about another thing today. And, you know, to tie that back to even just our faith in the Lord and that he will provide and that we can be generous to our community and to be able to have a boundary for our kids to say, this is capacity Wow. That's such a tangible tool. And then the other point that you made just about how with sensory kids, with kids who have, you know, the autism, ADHD, any kind, even as a mom, when we're overwhelmed, the trigger of having too much stuff in our space, I absolutely always notice a massive difference when my house is tidy versus when it's not, I feel more creative. I feel more uplifted. I feel it's, it's a funny thing, but it is really true and real. And that doesn't even mean that it has to be perfect. It just needs to look like, wow, a bomb did not go off in here. And I will (laughs) automatically feel better. Yes, that is so true. I'm, I'm very sensitive to my environment. So I learned about this concept of a highly sensitive person. And for me, it's noise, it's clutter, it's touch. It is a caffeine and I realized like, oh, wow, I am easily triggered, stimulated. And so I need to set my environment up for success because otherwise I'm a very reactive person and a very reactive mom. And I don't want that. So I totally agree with you there. Yeah. Gosh, you have brought so much gold today and I want to actually do another episode where we dive deep into some of these specific concepts. If you're willing to come back at some point, of course, of course, I'd love to. Yeah, this is amazing. Emily, thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom. I hope the moms grabbed notebooks. I have a feeling that even I will be going back and taking some notes on what you shared today. So thank you for being here and doing this. How can moms find you? Because they are going to want to find you. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you again for having me. I always, I geek out on the science and all the other stuff. So I tend to get a a little excited, but I guess that's good. I, you can find me at Moms Overcoming Overwhelm Podcast, anywhere you're listening to Katie right now, you can come listen to me. And that is where I have links for pretty much everything, including my Facebook group where we do bi-weekly decluttering challenges. So we do 15 minutes a day, five days a week. And then I have like prizes, like free coaching and coffee gift cards and that kind of stuff. And that's really to build those decision-making muscles and really build the habits. So you recognize, yes, even in those 15 minute spurts, like it does make a difference and it does add up. So that's probably the best way to find me and hope to hope to chat and hope to see you around there too. Awesome. All right, mamas, go find Emily. Emily, thanks again. And we will have you back again really soon. Yay. Thank you again. It was so fun. Thanks for listening and spending time with us today. If you know anyone who could benefit from my mom's podcast, please share it and leave a review so others can find us too. See you next time.